We're continuing on this weird message series because normal just is not working. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that can be a little tough for, for some of us, for many of us, because broke is what tends to be what our culture leads us towards. And it's just not good. It's not normal. And I have to be honest, I need to credit this message to a friend of ours, Barry Cameron, who's the author of the ABC's Financial Freedom. He was here last year um, sharing his words with us last year. And this message is really in large uh, a part of what he put together and provided for us. And so I just want to share that and credit him with that. Um, But a preacher by the name of Johnny Hunt once told a story about a 1923 a very significant meeting was held at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. According to one source, collectively, these tycoons controlled more wealth than there was in the United States Treasury. And for for years, newspapers and magazines had been printing their success stories and urging the youth of our nation to follow their example. Attending this big meeting were nine of the world's most uh, successful financiers in the country. Uh, The president of the largest independent steel company was there. The president of the largest utility company. The president of the largest gas company. The greatest wheat uh, speculator. The president of the New York Stock Exchange. A member of the president's cabinet. The greatest bear on Wall Street. The head of the world's greatest monopoly. And finally, the president of the Bank of International Settlements were all present. This was a high powered group. These men were supreme masters in the finance world. But unfortunately, just 25 years later in the year 1948, the picture for these people were so much different. Many of them have went bankrupt living on borrowed money. Some died fugitives. Others went insane. Some were, were in prison. Some were, uh, committed suicide because of their embarrassment and, and their uh, loss of everything that they had. And one thing that we learned 25 years later was all these men who were masters of finance had learned how to make money. The problem was they didn't know how to manage money. They couldn't manage it well. And I think that's the cycle that so many times we find ourselves in. I think we see this crisis still today in our culture. You know, even with the paid athletes that that we sometimes long to be like, that we watch on TV. Did you know that Terrell Owens, NFL player, declared bankruptcy in 2012 after blowing his career earnings of $80 million? Mike Tyson blew $400 million to go bankrupt. John Daly, $55 million. And the basketball player, Allen Iverson, blew $150 million to go bankrupt. According to a 2009 Sports Illustrated article, 78% of NFL players are either bankrupt or under financial distress within two years from retiring from the NFL. 
In the NBA, the statistics are 60% of NBA players are bankrupt within five years of retiring from the NBA. It is a crisis. You know, we all dream of making it rich. We all dream of going after the stuff of this earth. That's what our culture tends to be running us towards, this pipe dream that just transfers our loyalty from God to the stuff of this earth that makes the normal person broke and frustrated and disappointed and just unsatisfied with life. You know, today's message is broke is normal. We can't be normal. We need to be weird. Because here's the reality. Debt has become the default setting for most of us. It just has. Debt has become the default setting for most people. You don't have money for something? Then just charge it or get a loan. Go get what you want. And that's what everybody else does because debt in our culture is normal. But know this. Debt is just man's way of giving himself what God hasn't given him yet. It's kind of sidestepping and trying to get in front of God and getting what we want, what we feel we deserve. Christian financial expert and best-selling author Dave Ramsey said it, said it this way. The Bible says absolutely nothing positive about debt. Every time debt is mentioned, it comes with a warning or a condemnation. You see, debt may be normal. But remember, normal isn't working. It's just not working. And I'm encouraging you today, in this moment, to not be normal. It's time to be weird. It's time to step out. It's time to get out of debt and stay out. Do not let the stuff of the earth to become your God. I think so often we struggle in our lives. We struggle with our focus because our God has become the stuff of this earth that always, always, always leaves us disappointed. Rather than fully depending on the God of the universe, the God that created you, the God who desperately loves you. Preacher and author Craig Groeschel in his book, Weird, said this, You want to know something that's perfectly normal in how we view money? It's stress from not having enough money, not making enough money, and owing way too much money. That's normal. And so many people today live paycheck to paycheck. And you may be in that same boat According to a study that came out in 2011 from CareerBuilder.com, it said more than half, 61% of working Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And did you know that the latest research reveals that that number is almost 80% now? That is scary. Monthly payments, it's normal. Credit card debt, normal. Paying only the monthly minimum to get by, normal. Yes, in fact, for many of us, it's priceless because what price can you place on your worry, on your anxiety, and, and everything else, your health, your security, your peace of mind? What's that worth? And since everyone seems to fight this battle, it seems it's a war, a war worth, right? I mean, it's normal. And all we want, all we think we want, 
is what everyone else seems to have. But because everybody in our culture seems to have the same stress, the same worry, the same despair that I tend to have, and I bet you tend to have at times, and the collateral damage of all this normalcy is just tension in your home, despair in your life, fights between you and your spouse, feelings of helplessness and frustration, powerlessness and despair, shame and and, and embarrassment. And this is what normal is supposed to be? Is this really the great life that, that we're supposed to be living for, striving for, going after? Is, is that what it is? I'm here to tell you, normal just does not work. It doesn't. I know. I've been there. I've, I've lived that frustration. I've lived that hopelessness. I've lived that fear of how can we get through the next two weeks. I've been there. It doesn't work. Why? Because our culture lures us into loving the stuff of earth more than depending on God. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't. You know, this is going to sound really weird, but I'm going to show you something in the passage today that has one a popular verse that I'm sure many of us, especially parents, have heard of before, but we really never have read it in the context that's written in. This is in Proverbs 22, verses 1 through 7. It's written, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would uh, preserve their life stay far from them. Start children off on the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave to the lender. Did you see it? What's this passage training our children in the way they should go? What's this overall passage focusing on? In nine of the verses, it's focusing about money and money management. Just listen to some of these truths in these, pa- in these verses. A good name is more desirable than great riches. Favor is better than silver or gold. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Everyone goes to Jesus the same. You need to be wise and avoid trouble. Fools won't. They'll just do what everybody else does. If you stay humble and fear the Lord, you'll be blessed in every way. Not just riches, but in honor and life. Don't try to cheat your way. It's nothing but a trap. If you care about your eternity, you'll avoid anything like that. It's your responsibility It is our responsibility to train our children in these truths so that they'll they'll live their whole lives following them. One of the best things you can teach them is to stay out of debt. Understand the law of sowing and reaping and to live generous lives. You see, we need to be teaching and training our our kids not to be normal, to be weird. And you know what? They're already weird, so it's not that big of a step for them. Right? Come on. You know it's true. 
We need to help them and guide them in that. Don't miss the verse in verse 7 of Proverbs 22. The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is a slave to the lender. This is all about who are you enslaved to. Have you ever thought about that? Who are you enslaved to? Whether you've realized it or not, every one of us has a master. You have a master in your life, whether you realize it or not. Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, said, said these words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. You see, Jesus himself said, here's the reality. In this world, what the culture, no matter what generation you live in, the culture lures us to desiring the stuff of the earth. In so doing, money tends to become our master. And many of us are serving our desires for this world and serving our own debt to try to, to achieve that. That we're not really serving God anymore. And at some point in our journey, we need to stop trying to rely on this world and start learning what it means to truly depend on God. It makes a difference. It makes a significant difference that even Jesus himself was talking about it. You know, what you serve owns you. It owns you. It consumes you. Have you ever considered the consequences of who owns you, who you serve, who is your master? This is the heart of Jesus' words of who is your master. Oftentimes the stuff of this world just so consumes us and controls us. I've been there too. This is a struggle for all of us. None of us are immune to this. It consumes us so much and oftentimes becomes our masters. And in so doing, we have become indebted to the life we want. That's just destroying us. That's just destroying us. And pulls us further and further away from the reality of who God is and the blessings he wants to provide in your life. And most of us don't even consider the consequences of not being able to pay off debt when we get into debt. We're just so infatuated with what we want, we don't think about, what if I can't pay this off? What happens then? Well... The bank who owns you at that moment is going to come calling. That's what's going to happen. You know, because when we are in debt, the bank owns us. The bank owns you. And if you don't pay what you owe, they'll just take what you have. And I feel that the problem for many people is that we feel so, guys, Please hear me on this because I struggle with this too. We're all in this. This is, a, this is a human nature issue. This is not pointing anybody out. But we all at some level, let's just be real, we think we are entitled. We do. We just think we're entitled and the world at some level owes us. And it doesn't. It doesn't. 
And the more we live our lives thinking we are entitled, the more the lore of the stuff of the earth just kind of pulls us away from the reality of God and depending on him more. And we lose sight of what it's all about. And we miss out on what God truly wants to do within us and through us. It's a struggle. And we got to break it. We got to break it personally and collectively. We got to get out of it. There, there was an article that, that came out recently, and the headline was this 30 companies that, that you didn't know were at risk of bankruptcy. And the first line in this article said this Retail bankrupt, uh, bankruptcies hit an all time high in the first quarter of 2018, even more than last year. And then there was this in the article. Some of the businesses that have made this list might surprise you. On the face, they looked, they looked fine, and the clerks still have been, have been smiling faces. Everything seemed to be going well, but behind the scenes, there was turmoil. J. Crew was $2 billion in debt. Sears, $12 billion in debt. GNC, $1.3 billion in debt. Um, Steinmart got a $50 million loan to buy more time. Uh, Land's End had a $498 million loan. Guitar Center had $900 million in debt. David's Bridal, $522 million loan uh, that year. And then they had a $220 million uh, unsecured notes that was due in 2020. PetSmart has an $8 billion debt problem. And we already began to see what's been happening to some of those companies. And you might say, well, Bill, those are businesses. That doesn't have anything to do with me, but this does. Check this out. The average U.S. household in 2017 was carrying $279,469 in debt. And those sources from NerdWallet and the Federal Reserve said that it was unlikely to shrink anytime soon, that it was probably going to increase. And according to a Bloomberg report in 2018, the U.S. student loan debt um, doubled um, since recession in, 29, in 2009. At that time in 2018, the student loan debt in our nation was $1.465 trillion. And the article said, if there was to be a recession causing a rise in youth unemployment, triggering mass defaults, it could prove burdensome for the U.S. government budget because over 90% of student loans are guaranteed by the U.S. Department of Education. You know what the common denominator with all that is? Everyone is broke. Everyone is in debt. The Wall Street Journal, in an article in January of 2019, had a headline that said this, more first-time home buyers are turning to the bank of mom and dad. First-time buyers can't afford the down payment and can't qualify for a conventional loan. And so maybe because of the student loans, just possibly. And so they're hoping that mom and dad, who are already in debt themselves, will be able to get them out of debt. Anybody see the problem? Just this endless cycle one more headline. In, in 2017, February 2017, a headline said 10 statistics that prove baby boomers are in big trouble when it comes to retirement. The article said this, the statistics are alarming. In a nutshell, baby boomers as a group are not ready for retirement. And here are a couple of statistics from that article. 59% of baby boomers cite Social Security as a major source of the retirement income. And 65% of baby boomers are worried about future changes to Social Security. You catching it? 
In our culture, debt is normal. But normal isn't working. All we do is try to push it further down the line, further down the line. And when's it going to catch up for us? You know, debt isn't normal. It's not working. In fact, it's killing us. It's destroying us. It's destroying so many homes. It's destroying so many lives in our culture. Our God cannot be the stuff of this earth. It just cannot be that. We need to adjust our thinking. Because normal isn't working. And it's time to get a little weird. And if you're tired of normal and ready to be weird, here's what you need to know. You ready? Debt is not God's plan for you. It's not. That is not his plan for you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. I want that to sink in for you. Paul said this, His God, my God, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. But you need to understand something in those verses, in that verse. Number one, when Paul writes that he will meet all your needs according to his great riches. See, sometimes we, we adjust that thinking to match our cultural thinking to go after the stuff of the earth. Paul was not saying, hey, God will provide everything you could ever imagine that this world could have. You'll be rich. You'll have the great house, the great cars. He'll take care of you. That's not what Paul was saying. You need to understand something about God. God does not care so much about what this world provides. He cares about you connecting with him and his kingdom. Because he knows what he provides through his kingdom is far greater than this world could ever provide. Gaining the stuff of this earth, it'll come and go. But God gives us so much greater. And Paul said that my God will provide all your needs. Here's another struggle that we have, I think. Myself too, guys. We kind of, in our lust for more, in our desire for the stuff of this earth, the reality of what is a want and what is a need has been so distorted. Has been completely distorted. Never, never, never in the whole Bible did God ever say, I will give you everything you want. Never. But he did say, I will take care of all your needs. You see, in this journey and in our struggle, like I said, myself too, guys, in the struggle of self-entitlement, I think we need to come to a realization what is the difference between a want and a need. You'll never tr find true joy in your heart. You'll never be able to escape all the tension in this world if you don't, don't come to the reality of that. And you don't come to a full submission that I want to depend on God rather than trying to go after all this world provides because it's going to just leave me more and more disappointed. And more and more broken. And more and more unhappy. You know, never has been and never will be God's plan for his people for this stuff. 
and going in more debt. God wants to take care of you. God will supply all your needs. Not the Bank of America, not Chase Bank, not PNC Bank, or you fill up whatever bank you choose to use. None of those. God does. Look at two of these other verses. First, Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. It's written, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. And in Romans 13, verse 8, the Apostle Paul writes these words, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For, whosoever love others, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. You see, so often our debt to this world pulls us away from being the love that God wants us to be to other people and those around us. Don't overlook this fundamental truth. Debt is just man's way of giving himself what God hasn't given him yet. It's trying to sidestep what God desires for your life and trying to say, I'm going to go after it myself. And there's two important points with this. The first is this. Our impatience leads to disobedience. So often we become impatient wanting more. All it does is lead us to a life of disobedience. In Proverbs 21 verse 5 it's written, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to, pro- to poverty. You know, debt is just getting ahead of God. Our impatience just leads us to more problems in our life. It's kind of like if you go back to the Old Testament in the story story of Genesis 16 with Abraham and Sarah. Maybe you heard the story. Maybe maybe you haven't yet. But if you go back there and read this story, you'll see Abraham and Sarah who were husband and wife. And God came to them in their older age and said, you will be, Abraham, the father of many nations. At this time, like, you got to be kidding me. We're not going to have kids. We're already old. You know, life happened. We're kind of here in this boat. I don't see that happening. But then they began to believe it. But then years went by. And still nothing happened. And so they felt, well, God promised us this. He said he was going to come through, but he didn't yet. So I think we should kind of jump ahead and kind of do this on our own. Maybe he wanted us to kind of take those steps to do it. And so since it wasn't working out for them, they brought in their servant Hagar into the mix. And Abraham had a child with Hagar named Ishmael. Soon after that, then God blessed Abraham and Sarah with the child that he promised them, Isaac. But because of Ishmael, there was tension in the home and there was tension in the nation. All because, all because they became impatient on God's promises. And so often in our impatience, we become disobedient. And all we do is bring more strife, more delay to the promise, and more burdens in our life. But secondly, our disobedience leads back to impatience. It's like a circle that we just can't get out. It's like a funnel that we're just caught in that we just can't break. Our impatience leads to disobedience and likewise our disobedience just leads us back to impatience. And we just got to break this cycle couple other verses in the Bible. This is Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Will a mere mortal rob God? 
You rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not, ro- not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it, before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Another verse in Matthew 6. These are just a few short verses after Jesus himself said, you, will not, you cannot serve two masters. Jesus then said this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all these things will be given to you as well. You know, so often the church that God called the mission to is not achieving their mission because the people of God, us, have become more faithful to the stuff of this world than faithful to the the God we claim to serve. And we serve more our debt and our desires than we do God. And because we don't practice God's principles and teach our children, we see our children growing up relying more on debt instead of relying on God. And the cycle just continues. And it just continues. Until someone breaks the cycle. Who's going to break it? Who's going to stand up and say, I, I don't want that anymore. I don't want that burden. I don't want that strife. I don't want that difficulty in my life. I want to break the cycle. Dave Ramsey said this, Debt is so ingrained in our culture that most Americans can't even envision a car without a payment, a house without a mortgage, a student without a loan, and a credit without a, loan, without a card. We've been sold that debt with so much repetition, with so much fervor, that most of us can't conceive what life would be like with no payments whatsoever, but it's possible. It's possible. But are you ready to break the cycle? Are you ready to break the cycle and stop relying on this world and depending on God and realize the freedom that comes from Him? Here's something you also need to know. Smart people... Avoid debt. That's what they do. That's what smart people do. Proverbs 6, 1 through 5 says this. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have, if you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, if you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, so do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. You know what this context is all about? It's basically co-signing loans. What this Proverbs is saying is don't go into debt to help other people. Don't co-sign for your neighbor. Don't help them out. Don't get stuck in that. Stay out and get out because it will destroy you. Run. Have no rest until you break free from that. Author Chris Hogan in his book Everyday Millionaire wrote these words. I want to be as clear as I can 
The average millionaire stays away from debt. As we saw earlier, he wrote, 96% of a millionaires never carry a credit card balance and 95% plan ahead and save up for big purchases. And he said, I can hear the excuses now. But Chris, of course they don't need to use debt. They're millionaires. And he said, if that's what you're thinking, you're not hearing me. I don't just mean these men and women don't use debt now. I mean they have lived their, their lives, their whole lives, by these basic principles. In fact, nearly three quarters of the millionaires we studied have never carried a credit card balance in their lives. Millionaires know what most people in our society don't. Debt will hold you back and prevent you from reaching your goals. My friends, our government is $22 trillion in debt. I don't think that's smart. And Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian, said these words. If your government believes that the best way to eradicate trillions of dollars of debt is to spend trillions more, you might live in a nation that was founded by geniuses, but run by idiots. You see, it's a cycle. A cycle that many of us, if not all of us, have been bought into, and it's destroying us. And it's just a cycle we got to get out of it because this world then becomes our master rather than God. You see, no matter when you got into debt, today is the day to get out. You got to start somewhere. And you can either be sitting there and say, well, Bill, one day, maybe one day when I can make more money and get it all together, then I can start. If that's your excuse, I'm telling you, it will never happen. Because it's not about making more money. It's about the choices you make in your life. That's what makes a difference. You can say one day, or you can sit there and say, this is day one. This is when it starts. I am going to break the cycle now. Don't forget the words in Proverbs 6.4. It's a great place to start. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. In other words, if you're saying this is the day, go home and make a plan. It's where it starts. Make a plan. Make a plan. So here's, how you can, here's some things you can use to start a plan as we wrap things up. I'm going to go through these fairly quickly. They're going to be on the, on the screen. Or if you, if you miss something, you can always, can always go onto their YouVersion app and uh, follow our notes there. And everything is in there as well. Number one, stop spending money you don't have. If you don't have it, don't spend it. And number two, live within your means. This means you don't get everything you want when you want it. You wait until you can afford to pay cash with it. Back when I was in college, I went to Bible college. And I'm, I'm going to be transparent with you. There's like no math classes in Bible college. Okay? There was one little math class that we took. It was personal finances. And I'll never forget, there was a local, there was a pastor who was all about the finance stuff that came in to talk to us, the class one day. And I wish, if I could have a time machine and go back in time, I wish I could go back to Bill in that day, in that day and say, Bill, don't blow this off like it's a joke. Listen to this man and do it. Because life would be so much different. I would have made such different choices. 
But he came into class and two things. Number one, he said, okay, guys, everybody wants to be a millionaire, and you can. Every person in this class can be a millionaire. You want to know how? Yeah, tell us how. Every one of you, if you start right now, and by that time we were like mid-20s, if you start right now and put $2,000 a year into a savings account, by the time you retire, you will be a millionaire. I can't do that. That's always the excuse, right? I don't make enough money to do that. Man, if I only knew then, like, what little I had to pay at that moment compared to when life really happens and all the bills that start coming in at that moment, I had the opportunity and I skipped it. Another thing that he'd said that was always a, uh, I always go back, I joke, I, I made fun of him at the time, which was stupid young Bill. But here's the thing, he said, I will never buy something I can't pay cash for. In fact, he was telling us about how he just bought a couch for his living room that he was saving up for like two years. And he said, I would not just go and get it until I had cash. And I'm sitting there thinking, just go to Levin. They got loan options. You can have it today. And that's our culture thinking, right? But he's saying, no, until I have the cash to walk in there and put the cash on the table, not doing it. And he didn't. In fact, this is what he did that he kind of challenged himself he would put in his wallet $20 every week. And he says, this $20 in my wallet is all I'm allowed to spend all week long. That's all I'm allowed to spend. And he would challenge himself to see how much of that $20 he could still have at the end of the week. Isn't that crazy? But it's life changing. The words are this. Don't spend money you don't have. Don't hope that, hey, I can get this today and tomorrow when I make more money, I can, I can pay it off. Tomorrow's not going to come. It's not. You got to have a better plan than that. So thirdly, get on a budget. Get on a budget. A budget is nothing more than you telling your money where to go before your bills tell you where, you, where, you wanted to get, where it wants to go. A budget is not a restriction. It's a roadmap to, roadmap to financial freedom. My friends, I've been there. I've been there when money was so tight and we got ourselves in so much debt that we didn't know what to do and we get paid and we sit down to pay the bills and then before you know it, you get through all the bills and you're thinking, I'm already $200 in the red. How do I get to next payday? We still got to buy food. I've been there. I understand that. It's not fun because that life consumes you. It controls you. And it destroys you. Get on a budget and start figuring out a plan. And fourthly, spend less money than you make every week. You know, if, let's say you make $100 a week. Then figure out a way to live on 50 or 60, 70 max. So you can put the rest in savings and give some back to God. You know, that's what you need to do. L live less on what you make every week. Don't just think, I'll make net more money next week. It won't happen. And even if you think it does, what happens when the day it doesn't? Spend less than you make. And here's the fifth one. And can I just be real? This is kind of where we all kind of put the roadblock up and say, oh, everything was great, Bill, until this moment. But I believe with all my heart and what the Bible teaches of how God wants us to be a part of his team. And the Bible teaches the practices of tithing and bringing the first fruits back to God, the 10% of what we make back to God. 
Because we need his blessing, his provision, and his protection upon us. But here's the thing that I learned in that. First of all, how awesome it is that the creator of everything that is could have decided any plan he wanted. But you know what he chose? You and me to be a part of his plan. If that doesn't humble you and amaze you, I don't know what else does. That we have the opportunity to be a part of his plan. And here's the other thing that I really believe that tithing and, and bringing our first fruits back to God really means. What it means for me. You see, this world lures us more to what relying on the stuff of this earth rather than depending on God. And being a part of his team teaches us we need to depend on him. I'm giving back to him because I want to depend on him more and experience him in a whole new way. And you know, it's, it wasn't always easy. In those times when we were so overwhelmed with debt and bills and we didn't know how to get through it all, there was times when I wanted to be faithful in our tithing. But you know what happened? We'd pay all of our bills and get to the bottom and we were in the red. And then before we knew, oh my goodness, how am I going to pay the tithe? How am I going to do this? And then I would make a promise in my head, okay, I'll make it up next time. Guess what happened? Next time never came. Because I couldn't get out of it. Until I had to make a, a switch in my mind and how I operated. You know what I did? Now when payday comes and I sit down and do the bills, the first thing I do is earmark or write the check for what I'm giving to the church, what I'm giving for God to do here. Before I do anything else, and then I take care of everything else. And that taught me a couple things. Number one, it pushed me into a, a moment of saying, God, I am depending on you completely. I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I am depending on you completely. And then things began to happen. Number one, I began to learn the hard lesson of what we're wants and what we're needs and what needs to be getting cut out of our budget. And then secondly, I began to see God show up and take care of us in ways that I thought we wouldn't be able to achieve. I'm not saying we became wealthy, but he took care of us. Our needs are met. God's over us. And what a beautiful thing it is to truly take that step to depend on him and experience him in a whole new way and to be part of what he's doing, to share his love in this community and all throughout the world. Let's move on. Sixth thing is to start paying off your debt, uh, every debt that you have, beginning with the smallest. Wipe that debt out. Dave Ramsey, we're going to be doing the financial peace class, I think, in a couple of months. It's a great class if you're struggling with debt or you want to learn that plan. But one of the great parts of that plan is the snowball effect. It was life-changing for my family and I. What the snowball effect is this. Okay, if you have multiple debts, multiple loans out there, you start with, you start with the smallest. 
Everything else you pay the minimum. And this, everything I can throw at it and destroy this debt. And it, whenever I can increase it, I increase it. I just want to destroy this debt with everything I have. And when this debt is gone, I take everything that I'm paying here and then move it to this one that I'm paying the minimum on. And then I just destroy it and go after it until you move all the way, move down, move all the way down, move all the way down and watch it get destroyed. We don't want payments in our house anymore because we want our God to be, to be the God who created us and we want to be used by him more and more to advance his kingdom and his love and his hope. That's our desire. And in just a few short months, we are so excited that our last car payment is going to be gone. Goodbye. That's the goal. And it can happen for you too. It can happen for you too. And there is freedom. There is. It's a mindset change. It's a lifestyle adjustment. It takes work, but it is awesome. It's awesome. You know, put something into savings every week, even if it's a dollar. Do it. Make it a habit. Build it and see what begins to happen. And from this moment on, make a commitment to pay cash. If you're like me and you don't carry cash, use the debit card. You know, some way where you're not building loans, you're building cash. Don't forget Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to profit. Poverty. It's going to take work. It's not going to happen overnight, but we need to make a mindset adjustment, and that is this my God is not the stuff of this world, the stuff of this earth. I serve the living and active God. I don't want this earth to be my master anymore. I serve Jesus, and I want the freedom that only He provides. It's not normal, it is weird. It's culture, it's, a, it's opposite of what the culture pushes. But if we get out of debt, it is wonderful. And you'll begin to see God in a whole new way and allow God to use you in ways that you could never imagine. So let's make the commitment. Let's not be normal. Let's be weird. Let's see God in a whole new way.